You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Kristen Tyler, partner at Garmin Turner Gordon LLP and co-founder of Law Clerk. Law Clerk is where busy lawyers go to hire freelance lawyers on demand for project work. So welcome, Kristen. I'm so happy to finally be here talking with you today. This is great. Thank you for having me, Davina. Wonderful. So why don't you start out just telling us a little bit about you so we get to know you and kind of uh, how you, uh, a little bit about your law career and how you became a lawyer and wound up where you are now. Um, And then we'll get into kind of talking about Law Clerk and the founding of Law Clerk after that. Sounds great. So I uh, grew up in Nebraska in a small town, went to college there, law school there. And when I finished law school, my husband had this wild and crazy idea that we should move to Las Vegas. And so we did. That was 15 years ago. And we love it. Las Vegas is home now. And we're both attorneys. We've both been blessed with great legal careers out here. My legal career has been on trust and estates. Uh, so I love working with families, uh, working on their estate plans, building their legacy, getting to know them. And I do still have that practice. But about five years ago, exactly. Uh, yeah, wow, it has come up on five years. Uh, I left the big firm that I was at then. I was at a, a pretty good sized regional firm with about 60 lawyers. Mm-hmm. Left there with a smaller group of partners. We founded our own firm, Garmin Turner Gordon. Um, and have just loved that experience of having our own boutique firm. And really within that, you know, my, my partners all do, you know, really complex bankruptcy, business litigation, that kind of stuff. So I'm very unique in that I do the estate planning work and my practice is so much different from theirs, but I just, I love it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so really it was that whole experience of going from the, the much larger firm to the smaller boutique firm. Um, and through that journey, we implemented a lot of really cool technology for our firm. But it also is what sparked the idea for this new company called Lockhart. That is, um, I like to kind of joke that it's my little side hustle passion project that has now really become my main gig. Uh, Lockhart has grown an, at an incredible rate over the last three years. And I think it shows that there's a need in the legal community to match up folks who need help from time to time or even on a daily basis with a really powerful network of freelance lawyers that do amazing work. So that's. That's yeah. my story in a nutshell. Wow. Wow. So a lot, a lot to unpack there. So first, I want to ask you just, you you came from a large firm to kind of a mid-sized firm and then down to a boutique firm. So tell me, what do you think the experiences have been like for you in each of those? Was there, you know, was there a catalyst to that sort of move? And, and what do you find different about each of those experiences? What do you like about them? What do you, sure. you know, what are the challenges? Sure. Well, the cool part about being a part of a big firm is, of course, it's, you know, pretty well known in the community. You have a lot of lawyers with a lot of different practice areas. So if, you know, one of my estate planning clients had a need in, you know, had a, maybe they own a, and this is real, uh, they had a, had a client with a convenience store, like a gas station that, of course, in Las Vegas also had uh, slot machines. Gaming is everywhere. And we had some questions about how are they going to be able to pass on that family business to the next generation with gaming licenses. So at the big mm-hmm. firm, you know, I could walk down the hall, 
tap on the partner's door that does gaming law and talk it through with them and come up with a strategy to how to plan for that client with that unique asset. Right. Smaller firm, you don't have as many areas of expertise. You have a smaller bank. And so, you know, there's pros and cons with everything. Really, to me, the the biggest pro to going to a smaller boutique firm with a much different business model was, um, you know, the bigger firm had such a high overhead. Like, you had to work so hard, bill and collect so many hours or fees just to cover your share of the annual overhead for the firm. And that was a big number at that big firm mm-hmm. because there's a lot of staff. There were a lot of, you know, kind of luxuries, really, that I enjoyed. But as I started to have kids and realized, you know, gosh, if I didn't, if I was not this bigger firm with this big ticket price to be a part of with the overhead, you know, if I had a much lower overhead type situation, gosh, I wonder if I wouldn't have to work quite so much I can be with my kids. So for me, that was the big win to go into the smaller shop. And, you know, my clients could have cared less what mm-hmm. firm I was working with. They wanted to work with me. I think in a lot of ways that, you know, it didn't impact anything with my referrals. It just, you know, I was established when, when we made that move and it worked out great for me and for my family. Right, right. How many kids do you have and what are their ages? <laughs> I have two. Uh, so Henry, my son, is eight. And then my little girl is five and she is a firecracker. She keeps us busy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely the, the age, those ages where you want to be there and be present in their lives and not be working those you know, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks at a, exactly. at a different, right? Right. I, exactly. I, I, was, I was just talking with a client today about that, about the, the different uh, hour requirements at large firms, especially for non-partners um, and how intense it is. I used to work for a large firm, but not as an attorney um, just before I became an attorney. And it was crazy what the life of an associate was at a firm like that. And so you see, and you see more and more women who are uh, starting their own firms to, to create a culture that serves them well. And do you have, is your, is your firm a mix of men and women uh, in the partnership? Yeah, we have nine partners. It's five women, four men. So, you know, really close to being equal. And, um, you know, I feel really lucky in that the group of men that we're with has always, and I mean, always been supportive, treated us as equals. Um, in fact, they, I worked with them at the larger firm. They hired me there when I was an associate and they hired me when I was five months pregnant, if that tells you anything, like not even a blink of an eye. So supportive. I actually made partner with at that larger firm when I, it was, I think, like 10 days before I had my daughter, my second pregnancy. So, you know, they, it's never made a difference with this group of lawyers that I've been with. If I'm a, a guy or a girl, just, it just has not mattered. So I yeah, feel really lucky in that regard. So I know not wonderful. everybody's had that experience. And, you know, I think the lesson to draw there is if anyone's listening, especially if it's a younger attorney, younger associate who doesn't feel like they're being treated or valued that way, like, your career does not have to go that way. Um, and it might make some hard, deci- you might have to make some hard decisions and, and, you know, find a different path, but there are definitely opportunities in legal where you're not going to be treated different because of your gender. So uh, right. that's, that's a, a point I want to make. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. I think that's a wonderful point. And I, I think there's been a lot of changes too. When I was, you know, my first career uh, was in marketing before I became an attorney. I became an attorney in, uh, uh, I graduated from law school when I was just turned 40, but my earlier career, uh, 
you know, I'm in my, I'm in my mid fifties now. And I look back and, and it was a very different experience the way men and women are treated in the workplace. So we definitely made a lot of progress um, over time sure. and there's been a lot of changes, sure. but I want to shift gears and I want to talk about law clerk. And part of my invitation to you to be on this podcast was because I am so excited about uh, law clerk and what you guys are doing there. And I've um, recommended uh, a lot of small attorneys to check you guys out. My small attorneys being uh, attorneys, women law firm owners who own their own firms and they may have Wonderful. smaller firms, you know, and Thank they're, you. but they're, you're welcome, but they're looking to expand their resources. And also maybe some of them are in positions where their lives have changed and where they are in their life. Maybe they'd like to be take on project work and not commit full sure. time to something. So tell us about Law Clerk and you've kind of given us a little peep into why you guys came up with this idea and what was sort of missing for you was that having those attorneys down the hall that you could talk with. So tell us more about Law Clerk and the kind of attorneys that you have working with you in Law Clerk. Sure, I would love to. So I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, a lot of the emphasis that starting Law Clerk was leaving the big firm, going to the smaller boutique, wanting to still be able to tap into certain areas of expertise when you need that sort of help. And that's one of the reasons that went into law clerk was we wanted to be able to connect with freelance lawyers that had certain areas of expertise when you need that help. The other big reason was any trial lawyer out there is going to tell you there's just certain times where you need to staff up and you just need more lawyers around to crank out work, whether it's discovery, trial prep, et cetera. And so there's just times you need more people on your team to help you do the best job you can for your client. So those combined were really the two big factors that went into the creation of Law Clerk. Plus, it was around the time of Uber getting big, Airbnb, all these different, uh, you know, marketplace-style businesses. And we kind of thought, you know, how can we have that same type of business model and disrupt legal? And that was the whole goal. Mm -hmm. So the way it works is it's a website. You go to lawclerk.legal. You can sign up for an account. Uh, one of two ways. You can sign up for an account if you're a busy attorney and you want to hire some help. Great. There's no fee to sign up for that account. There's no monthly fee. On the flip side, if you are an attorney who wants to pick up some project work freelance once in a while or regularly, you do the same thing. Go to lawclerk.legal, sign up, but also for the freelancer account. And, and we also have a lot of attorneys that have both accounts, especially solos. Um, and that's really interesting to us because you can see the ebbs and flows of their business. They're busy, right. they're getting some, they're hiring some help, things slow down, maybe you'll, you'll see them come on and apply to do some freelance work. So it really helps lawyers in the industry on both sides of the equation, no matter which camp they fall into at that particular point in their career, if they, they need to get some help or they, they're looking to get some extra work. So the cool part is no fee to be a part of it, no monthly fee. The way it works is when a busy attorney logs in, posts a project, you call a piece of work a project, and keep in mind, this is any sort of written work. So think research projects, letters, pleadings, motions, briefs, settlement agreements, contracts, employment agreements, deeds, leases, any sort of written document, even marketing documents, and we could talk about that, um, but it's all of the written work, okay? We want to free up the busy attorney's time from the hours and hours of drafting the written product so that they can still be the person to go to the deposition, to go to the negotiation, to appear in court, because that's really what the client is hiring you to do. They want you, the person they hired, to be there in person representing them in those instances. Um, What we find is as clients really 
aren't as concerned if, if their lawyer uses their discretion to hire a, a talented and qualified freelancer to do some of the drafting work under their supervision. Clients that we've talked to all think it's great because they think they're getting a better work product. Say you have a motion for summary judgment and either you don't have time to write it or you simply just don't want to write it because you got 40 other things you could do and you've written a million motions for summary judgment over your career. So you log into your account, you post, post this motion for summary judgment, you're going to post it at a flat fee price. So that's something that's a little bit different than the traditional contract lawyer model where, you know, an attorney hires a so-called contract lawyer to do work for them hourly. Mm-hmm. So, and we have some advisors that are on, on staff and can help with the pricing if that's any concern. You're going to post the, the, the project at the flat fee price. We're going to send notice out to the freelancers that have experience in your area of law to let them know there's work available. And if they, you know, if they have time that week, if they say, they look at the description of the work and they say, hey, yeah, I can do that. And that seems like a good fair fee. Awesome. They're going to apply. Once they apply, the hiring attorney can see a couple of really important things. They can see that person's resume, so they can see, you know, where they worked, where they go to school, what's their experience. They're also going to be provided a, a writing sample. So, you know, especially for something like a motion for summary judgment, you want to make sure that the applicant is a concise, persuasive writer um, to get a feel for their writing style. Mm-hmm. And then last but certainly not least, Every time a freelancer completes work on our site, they are reviewed and rated by the attorney that they did the work for, um, and they don't get to see those. And so it really leads to very candid reviews by the hiring attorneys so that you can tell how people have performed on other projects for other lawyers. So the combination of the resume, the writing sample, the reviews and ratings really makes it easy to narrow down the top couple of candidates uh, from the applications. And so once you find the best person, you're matched up with them, they go through a built-in automated conflict check process, super easy, and then they get to work. And, you know, we provide a lot of tools that make it easy for attorneys to work collaboratively together in this remote working environment, which is nothing new to us at Lawcourt. All of this has done, been done remote all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we have a number of built-in tools like uh, document sharing, uh, a chat feature, timekeeping, because the freelancer does still keep track of the time they spent working on that project. And what that allows you to do is to know, okay, freelancer Jane Smith spent a total of 12.7 hours working on this motion for summary judgment. Great. What that allows you to do is the ethics rules say that you can bill the freelancer's time to your client at a reasonable market rate. And we have a, a white paper on our homepage if anybody wants to go into a deep dive on the ethics rules and why you can do that, just go to Lawcourt at Legal, scroll all the way to the footer, and you'll find that white paper on the ethics of, of billing the freelancer's time. But, you know, this is really a game changer for solo attorneys or for small firms to be able to get time-consuming work off their to-do list, get it done by a talented freelancer, and still be able to charge that freelancer's time to their client at a reasonable market rate and generate more revenue. I mean, that's just huge for someone who's yeah. maybe been working a gazillion hours killing themselves, burning the midnight oil night after night. I mean, that's it's pretty powerful what it can do. Definitely. Definitely. I, a couple of um, people I've spoken with have used used it in some unique ways. I, there was one attorney I spoke with who's no longer uh, practicing day in and day out. He's doing something else now. And he hired somebody from law clerk to help him, he, he was invited to uh, give a presentation and he needed 
research done and, and kind of the presentation put together and a, a paper and, you know, that kind of thing with it. And he said, you know, I just don't have the time given what I'm doing now and I haven't been active. So I hired someone to prepare all of this for me. Um, and then I was able to go and get my presentation and have the paper and everything. And so I thought that great. was a great, great use of it. Yeah. And somebody else mentioned that it's great to use if you have like a, you're preparing for trial and you want to get an idea of what the other side might argue. Like you want a devil's advocate. You might want to get yeah. an experienced litigator to take a look at what you've done and come back with all the holes in your arguments. Exactly. So, so I, I, and talk to me about some of the attorneys you have as freelance attorneys, because I, I want, I want to get an idea of this. We're not talking about, uh, a whole bank of attorneys fresh out of law school who can't get a job, <laughs> no. right? <laughs> no, no. And I think that's often the stigma attached with freelance lawyers is, oh, it's either, you know, the new baby lawyers or it's the lawyers that can't get jobs. And the reality of who these freelance lawyers are is couldn't be farther from that. So right now we have approximately 2,800 freelancers in the network. Those are lawyers in all 50 states. I'm really proud of that. Most of our lawyers have at least five years of experience. I would say the majority of our, like our, you know, like any sort of marketplace. Of course, we have certain rock star freelancers that just shine that end up getting a lot of the work because they're so good. Those Mm -hmm. folks are definitely in the 10 plus years of practice. Um, We've got lawyers who, you know, were at big law for a number of years and either got burnout or realized they weren't going to make partner and decided to open their own firm but they've still got really high level um, expertise and, you know, a variety of practices, that practice areas. We've got a lot of solo attorneys all over the country that, like I said, when they get slow, they pick up work through our site. We've got stay-at-home parents, military spouses. That's a big one because, you know, military spouses get moved around every two to three years on average. Most bases, and I didn't know this, but most bases are in pretty rural areas where, you know, there's not going to be a lot of law firms to go apply to. Plus, you got to get licensed in a lot of these states. So it's just a challenge. Right. Um, we've got law professors that come on and freelance. We've even got some either fully retired or semi-retired lawyers who have practiced 20 to 30 or more years. And these are folks that just genuinely love the law so much. I'm pretty sure they would actually do this work for free. I don't think <laughs> the ones I've talked to are like, you know, I don't really care if you pay me. I just want to write this brief because they love to write. They love to argue. They're amazing right. writers. The, review, the reviews on those folks are off the charts. And, you know, for someone who might be in, say, their seventh year of practice to partner with a 20-plus year freelance lawyer to get that expertise, like you're talking about, another set of eyes on your, on your work and your theories or your arguments, that's, um, that's really cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that, you know, it's so funny because people also have this idea that when you work in a firm that you're automatically kind of going to get mentoring and things like that. And I've known a lot mm-hmm. of attorneys who've worked in firms and they were very much siloed into certain tasks and that they did, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, year after year. And they really didn't get a lot of broad experience and they didn't get the mentorship that they thought they would get and that kind of thing. And um, when people make that transition and, and go out and start their own practice, being able to hire a more experienced attorney to 
talk with you about an issue or, you know, write something about an issue for you or, or do some research yeah. for you or anything like that and kind of give you their comments or their feedbacks is just, I mean, really invaluable. Yeah. I think. We've even seen lawyers do things like we had one user, I think it was a guy, he put up, he put up his motion, he put up the opposing party's opposition, and he, he, and he hired five different freelancers to do this, okay? He put up both documents, he said, tell me who wins and why, and then he took those arguments into crafting his reply brief, if you follow wow. me there. And so he didn't put that up to just one person, he like was polling the audience. He put it up, I think, for 100, 150 bucks, so really affordable, five yeah. lawyers, looked at it, gave their feedback, and he used that to write his, his reply brief. Um, uh, so it's kind of cool like that. We've even had people say, you know, I have this document, and this kind of comes up more tra transactional type work. You know, I have this employment agreement for my client. We're based in Texas, but we have this issue with a, an employee in Florida, and I just need to get in, on the phone with a Florida employment freelancer today for like an hour and talk. Okay, fine. Like we've connected people that way. So there's yeah. so many really creative ways that lawyers have used this to work together and get better work done for their clients. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you, 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 they're so, like you mentioned, you know, the law is so vast and so detailed and you may know your area, you know, really well in your state, but sometimes things you're going to come, I mean, we all know that like every yeah. client that walks in the door next is some bar exam question like when we're taking the bar we think oh you know you'll never come any across anything like that and then you get in practice and you learn that every client is a bar exam question i mean there's always this right. convoluted other issues that come in and and they're and people are messy you know cases are messy and sometimes you you know we can't be walking talking encyclopedias of the law like like right. the general public thinks we are right and so That's for sure uh, but we can have this kind of think tank and what's the hive mind, what, well, you know, like this, this brain that's out there where we can go and say, Hey, I want to get some other attorneys input on this, maybe because you're an expert in this area and I'm not, or you're in this state and I'm not, or you're in a different jurisdiction, you know, locally. Uh, so it, there, it sounds like there are a lot of resources there. And you said you've got, what, over 2,800 uh, attorneys right yeah. now? The last I checked, and that was a couple of weeks ago, and I know we've had quite an onslaught of more attorneys signing up, registering, just because uh, a lot of people have been furloughed or don't have quite as much work as they would like the past few you know, weeks that we're recording this end of April 2020. So yeah. we're having more join all the time. And the great thing is because there's no fees to sign up on either side, it's a real low barrier to entry to get people in and, and start connecting them. Yeah, yeah. Why did you decide to do it with no fees to join? Well, we didn't want to, you know, we're, we are primarily aimed at solo attorneys and small firms, and we didn't want to have some sort of a subscription fee um, that would be another line item on their monthly overhead. We're really conscientious of attorneys' overhead. And, you know, this is a great option, you know, working with freelancers is a much more affordable, accessible way than the overhead of hiring an associate. And so we just, um, that was something that was important to us. And, um, and you guys are doing that will be changed. But yeah. So you, you collect some sort of percentage? Yes, we take a, a percentage off of the flat fee project of how it works exactly. Okay. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. What, um, and, and you know, you and I talked uh, before, before today's call, we've talked about, uh, you know, what's going on now in our, in our world and in, you know, in our country and we're all, it's this COVID-19 pandemic and everybody's quarantined on lockdown and you're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot more attorneys. We've already have been seeing a movement toward a virtual law practices, right? Um, right. Over the last several years. And now with this going on, a lot of attorneys who might never have considered a virtual practice in any sort of way, right, are finding, right. you know, they're having to step into this model, even if it's temporary. But I think we're going to wind up seeing a lot of them realize there are a lot of advantages, even if they don't work virtually full time, you're probably going to start seeing people incorporate more flexibility in how they work and how they serve as clients. And you also are going to see kind of an expectation of clients to see more flexibility in attorney services. And so how do you see law clerk playing a role in that if we're kind of shifting as an industry? I mean, lawyers are so slow to shift as an industry. So it had to take something like a pandemic probably to make this happen. But um, how do you see law clerks sort of playing a role in, in that? Well, sure. Well, I think, of course, one of the most obvious ways is, is, you know, any attorney who's in a growth mindset and they're they're growing their firm quickly, and maybe maybe until last month they were planning to hire one associate or two associates this year. Certainly, what we're going through right now may give them some level of uncertainty about wanting to take on the responsibility of hiring someone full time in that capacity. And mm-hmm. so, for those folks, my message would be, you know. Don't put that growth on pause. Don't, you know, reevaluate those plans for what you were hoping to achieve with your firm this year, but consider other options for staffing and getting that work done. And of course, Lockwork can be one of those. You know, we have a number of power users on our site who we're an everyday part of their business model. They have flat out told us they never want to hire another associate. They're only going to work with our freelance lawyers. Um, in that type of capacity moving forward because it's just been a much better fit for them. But so I think that is going to be one way. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that a lot of lawyers are looking at this and saying, hey, pretty awesome. And why am I driving to an office all the time when I don't really have to to get my work done? I, you know, I can cut that commute out from my day. Um, you know, do I really need this giant, you know, fancy office? Clients, I don't think want or expect that all the time. So it's really going to cause people to evaluate a lot of those things and, and the way they're getting their day-to-day business done. And if you don't, a lot of times people have an office too, because they have, when they start developing a team and having staff and having hiring other attorneys, they have to have a place for these people to gather and to go. And now we've been for seeing sure. for a while, there's this virtual assistant model, this virtual paralegal model, and a lot mm-hmm. of firms are using virtual assistants, virtual paralegals, but then when they grow to a size where they need more attorneys up up until now, you know, a lot of lawyers are like, well, I've got to hire attorneys and how do I hire right. and manage attorneys that, you know, work it out of their house, right? So is there another way, you know, so this offers them another option, just like they use a virtual assistant and they use a virtual paralegal, they can grow their practice maybe by using virtual attorneys as well, um, depending on you know their practice area. For sure, 
For sure, are there, absolutely. Are there any practice areas that you guys don't cover that you know of off the top of your head? Right. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of like M&A work, mergers and acquisitions. Like that's I'm something sorry, that's going to be work? like mergers and acquisitions, M&A. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's big law stuff. Like, like we don't see that on our site. Um, but really, we see pretty much everything else. We've seen aviation law, horse racing law, uh, maritime law, of course, all the, the main consumer areas, family, bankruptcy, criminal, um, real estate, estate planning, probate. I mean, we've, we see the whole gamut on the daily. So um, that's really exciting that it's such a broad array. But, you know, really just those, those few select areas that are pretty heavily traditionally big law type work, mm-hmm. that's, that's the only stuff we don't see much of. Have you uh, had a, very many attorneys in other countries, on uh, other continents, you know, participating or in, in either way and looking to hire somebody or in, in looking to do freelance work? Because I know, you know, we've become such a global economy. Um, yeah. I know areas like immigration and, you know, com- you know, commerce around the globe, yeah. all those uh, trademark and patent work, that kind of thing. Have you seen have you seen that or is are they are we talking mostly right now U.S. lawyers or Canadian lawyers or. Right. So right now we're strictly um, uh, we strictly serve U.S. attorneys. So all of the attorneys on the platform are U.S. licensed. That being said, mm-hmm. I know of, I can think of two that I know that live out of the States, but they are still actively U.S. licensed. Um, one is a guy does immigration work. He currently works for the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the exact title, but he's like in Switzerland, uh, you know, and he does some immigration finance work. Pretty cool. But he's still got an active license, one of the States on the East Coast. I can't remember. Um, we have another guy, used to be a big law attorney decided, you know, that was not the lifestyle he wanted, just moved to Costa Rica on a whim, thinking he would stay there for like a year while he figured out what he wanted to do. He started freelancing because, you know, again, this one of these guys that loves the law and ended up staying in Costa Rica full time. And he freelances um, through our platform and then directly for a couple of other lawyers. So, but again, they're all U.S. licensed, which is the key criteria. Right, right. So it's interesting that you said that because I there's a I know of a number of women law firm owners who are finding ways to practice in other countries, you know, yeah. um, and they're they're licensed here, at, but they want to live part part time in another country for a part yeah. of the year. They may want to live in Canada or they may want to live in Costa Rica. They may want to live in Mexico. They may want to live, you know, wherever. And, yeah. uh, but they still are working in their law practices and their law businesses running in case, in some cases, million dollar firms or multi-million yeah. dollar firms from, you know, <laughs> a beach someplace in, you know, where it's warm and sunny. Um, right. Talk about and, living the dream. Yeah. 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 There, I, listen, I know a few who are doing it and, uh, and I love it. I love it. And it doesn't work for everybody, you know, just like a virtual model doesn't work for everybody. There are some people that exactly. just, they want different things exactly. in their lives. Um, but no matter whether you have a traditional brick and mortar law firm 
or you're working virtually or whatever, you still, this is a great resource because you can find somebody, you know, we always, we always have those needs sometimes where we like really just need to pick another lawyer's brain, you know, even at that level, knowing that there's that resource out there and so many attorneys who are, who are doing that. What do you do when you get, do you, have you had situations where you've had attorneys who didn't perform either, either hiring attorneys who didn't do what they say they were going to do or freelance attorneys who didn't say what they were going to do? And how do you handle something like that? Sure. Great question. So of course, working with thousands of lawyers all over the country, things are going to happen. (laughs) There's going to be disagreements or, you know, life happens. We had a freelancer a couple years ago in the winter. He was in Minnesota, fell on ice, had a concussion, was in the hospital three days. You know, the the attorney couldn't get a hold of him. We couldn't get a hold of him. You know, medical emergency, life happens. So what we've got to give people peace of mind on that is um, some data and a guarantee. So we have a rating scale, uh, like I mentioned, on every single project. It's either exceeded expectations, met expectations, or did not meet expectations. We get that did not meet expectations on less than 1% of projects. So it's really limited, and we're really proud of that. Because right. we've got such a great track record, we offer a money-back satisfaction guarantee on every single project. So if you get work product that isn't what you wanted or something goes wrong, you know, medical emergency, we're going to get your money back to you. And on top of that, assuming there's still time, we're going to hustle and get a different freelancer who we, you know, have really gotten to know to come in and get that work done for you, sometimes even at our cost. So mm-hmm. we really try to always do right by our hiring attorneys to make it right for them in those very limited situations where things don't go the way mm-hmm. we hoped. Um, but yeah, we're we're encouraged by the fact that so far our track record's been really strong on success stories. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. And have you had you haven't had any situations where somebody's disappointed by the work product? Yes. Uh, yeah. Of course. Again, you know, a lot of that when goes back to the hiring attorney didn't take the time to really set clear expectations for the scope of work. Um, you know, they, they don't have a very detailed description. A lot though, I mean, and I hate to point it back on the hiring attorney, but a lot of times attorneys wait to the last minute. So they're mm-hmm. trying to push a freelancer who they've never worked with before to write this magic, you know, perfect motion in only a day when, you know, if they would have delegated it with a couple of more extra days on top of that, it would be better. So, you know, that's the other situation where we really see problems if people come on and try to do a rush project with mm-hmm. a freelancer they've never worked with before. It's just not a good fact pattern. Yeah, well, and they probably get they probably get disappointed that the person doesn't think exactly, exactly. the way they do. <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, exactly. that's just the that's that you know, that's the way we are sometimes. We think, oh, you know, it's so clear in my head, I don't understand how somebody else right. can't. Right. Just know so we that. Remind, remind the attorneys all the time, you know, our freelancers are incredible, but they're not mind readers. Um, you need to really take the time at the onset to give really clear instructions, directions, um, mm-hmm. and also just manage your own expectations. If you expect to get a product back 100% perfect, ready for you to sign and file to court, like that's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, what we tell folks is if you get a draft document that's 80 to 85% of the way done, that's a home run. That's great. That's what you should be getting. You should expect to still spend a decent amount of time to review it, edit it, add additional facts that maybe only you and your client know from, you know, all the meetings you've had together, but don't expect to get something 100%. It's just, that's not realistic. 
And so we work a lot with the attorneys to manage their own expectations as well. So you have a process uh, and guidelines and uh, people that the hiring attorneys can talk with about how to create better specs for what it is they're looking for, right? And how to work with with a, a freelance lawyer. Exactly. So we, um, that's one of the things I love to talk about. So when you have a new attorney on the hiring attorney side, when they sign up, they are matched up with what we call a dedicated law clerk advisor. The advisor is really like a concierge. They are there to hold the attorney's hand, guide them through the flappy pricing, guide them through selecting the right freelancer, you know, help them along the way through their first group projects, especially until they get a hang of it. And then the advisor there's too, is there too if things start to go wrong, if you know, this, they can't get a hold of the freelancer or something, they can help spot, spot check that. But yeah, this dedicated law clerk advisor is going to work hand in hand with any attorney to help guide them. And the other really cool part of that is, you know, our advisors work with, each advisor works with a couple, couple hundred lawyers all over the U.S. So they can think about other attorneys and their network that they're working with and how they're succeeding with law clerk and give you advice based on that to hopefully set you up for success. And I think it's just one of the most powerful things that we offer that you get that partner and your advisor to work with you on, on with the freelancers. So uh, yeah, definitely I like that. Now I know that you guys that you started this uh, business um, because you had you working with your friends that you started your boutique firm with, and it was right? one of the things that you missed that you all missed was having that think tank and that access to researchers and associates and or just other lawyers in different practice areas that you could walk down the hall and ask. So are do you find that you have been using this law clerk as well? Do you guys use law clerk? We do. And in fact, um, we use it so heavily that in all of our data, we filter out all of the work just from our law firm because we don't want to skew it. But um we do. I see someone from our law firm post on there at least once a day, and it's gotten us through some big litigations that we've had with actually with big New York firms where, you know, we're going up against hundreds of lawyers with our little 16-lawyer firm, and we've used them to, you know, come in and do document review and writing motions and, and all sorts of countless things. But we, we haven't really added headcount at our firm because we've been using these freelance lawyers instead in order to help keep our overhead low and you know actually we we ran out of offices too uh, like actual rooms where a lawyer could sit and work so that was another big factor of well you know we're kind of out of space and do we really want to hire someone else full time or can we you know leverage the freelancers for those instances where we need extra help so um it's been great to have our law firm as our own test kitchen of sorts to get you know the kinks worked out of the system but we still use it all the time it's become an integrated part of our business model Right, right. It's probably it probably is it really enhances your experience as an attorney to be able to work with such a variety of other lawyers too. You know, when you're in a firm, particularly a small firm, you get to see those same folks over and over again. And when you're kind of expanding your business in this way, you probably really meet some interesting people and interesting attorneys uh, <laughs> and develop sure. relationships all over the country. You do. It, it's been so great to meet the different freelancers, get to know them and, and see the world from their perspective and, and their take on different legal issues. So that's uh, eye-opening. Right. 
Well, it has been wonderful talking with you today about uh, Law Clerk. And I've really been wanting to, to get you on so we could record this and share it with our audience of women law firm owners, because I know so many of them will uh, probably don't know about it and would, mm-hmm. would really love to take advantage of it, um, either mm-hmm. as a hiring attorney or maybe even uh, kind of to expand their own their own business by doing some work with you guys as freelance attorneys. So sure, sure. Uh, well, Davina, really it would be okay. I, I'd love to give your listeners uh, a rebate code, an offer code, if they want to try oh, us out after wonderful. spending this time with us today. Um, let's do, I was debating, um, what if we do Davina 2020? So it would be D-A-V-I-N-A 2020. And what that would do is that's for the hiring attorney. So mm-hmm. you sign up for your account, no cost for that. If you post a project of $300 or more, I'm going to send you a $100 Amazon gift card. Okay, that will be the incentive. And the thank you for trying us out and spending this time with us on the podcast today. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I know that they will love that. And uh, it's really generous of you guys to do that. So we appreciate it. Um, tell us where we can find out more about Law Clerk. And if people want to connect with you, where they can connect with you is the best place, LinkedIn, or is it, you know, Instagram or emailing you or tell us, tell us that. Yeah, absolutely. So for the company, you know, the best way to find us is lawclerk.legal. That's the website. Of course, we're on all the big social channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. We've got a great YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com slash lawclerk, we have a ton of tutorials there to help you get up and going and answer a lot of questions. Uh, we also have an Instagram account for the, the company, and it, that's the place where we have fun. So it's very little business. It's a lot of fun. We have this um, unofficial, official mascot, which is our little squeezy shark that we hand out at all the conferences that we go to. Uh-huh. And um, so shark, we call him Sharky, and he's got his own Instagram. It's at, nice, shark, fun. at shark on the run, and we have a lot of fun there. So, uh, But for me personally, if you have questions, if you have feedback, um, probably the best way to connect with me would be either LinkedIn or um, email. It's Tyler at lawclerk.legal. And I'm happy to answer any questions that your listeners have and, and help them get up and hopefully run in with us. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks again for being here. And I've had a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Davina. At Wealthy Woman Lawyer, we help women law firm owners build profitable, sustainable, wealth-generating law firms without overwork or overwhelm, so you can live your best life. If you are ready to create more of what you desire most in your business and your life, then you'll want to sign up now for our free training, Seven Shifts to Create a Wealth-Generating Law Firm Without Killing Yourself in the Process. Register now at WealthyWomanLawyer.com slash training to receive this free training immediately. And thank you for listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast.